Hello, Interrobang. This is future Michelle, semi-future, um, in the editing, editing booth right now for this episode. Just wanted to let you know um, that the discussion we have for this episode is going to actually cover two parts um, due to the, the real enjoyment that we had of um, you know, talking about what we, what we covered. Um, so it's split up in two parts. Uh, this first part here will actually not be including the music part. The music playlist will be at the end of part two. Um, just to clue you in um, so you're not looking for it um, but hope you enjoy um, this special episode we have and uh, here we go hello hi michelle hi stephanie and interbank how are you both doing well pretty chipper today really yeah yeah just exciting times we got that's good is that for like because of this episode or just otherwise oh yeah that and also i got some stuff done today which i'm really excited about so it's been a productive day. Your so bucket that's, list. that's nice. Yeah. That's yeah, my bucket list for the day. Tiny <laughs> bucket. Tiny little bucket. Little pail. Little sand pail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's great. How about yourself? Um, also pretty good. Had kind of a restful day. I'm pretty feeling pretty zen. Pretty loose. Got to meditate. Worked out a little bit. Swept, that's nice. Swept my back porch. Um, I like sweeping. It's kind of therapeutic. So it feels good to... <laughs> clear that out but um yeah and interrobang i hope you're doing well um excited to share with you interrobang today is a kind of a special episode um we have a friend joining us today in front of the podcast diane welcome thank you um thank, yeah so diane is here to to join us um about kind of the, the discussion we have planned for today wherever direction that goes uh we have a seed idea but we'll just uh see where it takes us so excited to have you diane's kind of you've been a friend of the podcast and been kind of listening and very um, first friend of the podcast who has made it in person that is i feel honored to be your first guest (laughs) thank you for coming on yeah you're welcome um so kind of in the usual fashion for most of our episodes uh i have an opener to share with the group if you guys would care to to listen and maybe have an answer um I was thinking the other day, uh, if you could be uh, a channel on TV, I know TV is kind of now going a little out of date with all these streaming services, but thinking back to traditional TV guide channels, not, I mean, you can have, you can still have, you know, a thousand plus channels. You're not limited to the, you know, cable television. But if you could be a TV channel, what kind of channel would you be? It doesn't have to be an actual channel. It could just be like a general type of channel. So you don't have to say, oh, I'm be National Geographic. It could just be um, maybe a channel that doesn't totally exist, but like a general topic of a TV channel. So this is based on kind of how you feel about yourself. Not necessarily, or could be if you'd rather, if something that you would like to be, but be more how you feel you are as a person with your personality and interests and whatnot. Uh, can I start? <laughs> Yeah, Whoever go wants ahead. to go. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I would like to be PBS, Public Broadcasting Service, because I'm more of a, into factual stories and okay. from around the globe. And okay. I also have programming that's higher quality, I believe, in all that they do, whether it's uh, documentaries or classic stories. When, when you say high quality, do you mean uh, like better funded or better researched or like like there's just more 
meat put into the programs? What do you mean yeah. by the high quality? I don't think they're better funded, um, but more meat, better acting, classic, more quality storylines, and not a bunch of fluff and ridiculous reality TV oh, show, sure. which is like sure. junk food for the brain. Sure. Uh, more, su- more substantial programming. Okay. Okay. And you think that reflects how how you are as a, your personality, or can you kind of yes, resonate yeah. with that for yourself of no fluff as much, not the overhyped. Yes. Yes. Over dramatized. Uh, over budgeted. Um, you know, shows that are just a lot of nonsense to me. Okay. And, yeah, and yeah. just get back to good old basic programming. Um, and even their news segment, I which I don't watch news anymore. But if I did, I would I prefer their news. I feel like it's a little more just and fair, and not so skewed one way or the other. A bit more bi- bipartisan that, or objective. Yeah, as I feel the news has gotten over the years. Fair enough. Great answer. Bethany, okay. do, you have, do you have an answer? Uh, yes. <laughs> Somewhat laughably, but laughably at myself. It's <laughs> the British equivalent of the PBS. Um, it's the BBC, but it's very difficult to choose <laughs> which BBC channel, because uh, there's, there's many. Um, but a combination... <laughs> BBC's one, two, and three. Um, one is kind of like the drama programs that Diane, you mentioned. Um, uh, and it's kind of sort of the latest and greatest, but also some re- old reruns of, you know, old, great, uh, high quality shows. Um, and then BBC two, because they have a bunch of great panel shows that I really like watching. And, you know, that's how I find a lot of my trivia facts from. And then BBC three, just because they're a little bit uh, out there. Like it's just kind of new, strange material that. You wouldn't really think about but i'm glad someone commissioned it because it's kind of interesting um oh and bbc4 because it's really interesting documentaries uh so are there more than four BBC? oh yeah there's i think uh five maybe sport related okay so um, just all but the BBC sports. news and oh. then of course there's bbc worldwide and then there's local bbc you know stuff okay but maybe confusing that with radio um in which there's like <laughs> six plus you know okay um channels yeah okay <laughs> i do so- <laughs> i do think the bbc news program is pretty good yeah yeah so i can't choose one channel. so it's like half, 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 the of, the B- half of the bbc network no i want the radio and the radio. the radio yes i do but i like how you say no so no sports and no um, i'm not huge on the sports like I, i'm fine. just not super yeah. aware of uh, how, how sports works um and I think news is a little bit depressing generally, but I do like the news theme. It's a great song. Um, so you would just tune into the song and then you just <laughs> yep, bounce. Yeah, it's 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 a bop. You know, I wouldn't mind a channel that just plays all kinds of news story, news channel opening, like jingles, mm-hmm, but never mm-hmm. shows a news broadcast. Can you imagine mm-hmm. that? It just, just runs so like, like local, the, the kind of local news, you know all sort of countries news i'm sure there's like a youtube channel that does that <laughs> maybe there is no i like that okay so so stephanie because oh, so both of you guys kind of have like a broader i don't know describe it we well, took the whole corporation yeah which is but but it's mainly because it okay but it a has more global i think perspective yeah that's interesting 
I can't be pinned down. How about you? (laughs) I keep up with like two specific types of channels thinking about like myself. One, I don't know if it really exists. I mean, I think it does exist maybe now, but you know, channels, um, I think it exists a little bit um, with Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. When she retired, she came up with like the O network. Um, and I, I don't tune into it, but I kind of remember it just being more about like just interviewing people and doing like documentaries. And some of them are kind of like travel show stuff, but or just, just learning about different. They're like, yeah, they're like in a docu-series. Like I'm like Lisa Ling was like a news court, you know, she'd go and do some um, investigative journaling and stuff. Yeah, she's good news correspondent. Yeah, so I, I think I'd like to be a channel like that because I like to I like to learn about different things and different people and lifestyles, but on a very like very in depth level. So like really going and maybe you know I wouldn't be like exploring a whole country or something or but I would kind of just be going to like living with a specific person, host person, and like learning about their lives and like you know what makes them tick and whatnot. So there's that side of me and kind of how you guys both answered like the different sides. I feel like my other side would be like a really silly, weirdly bizarre, um, like a like a telenovela channel. Like they have like in Latin America, they have like some of those kind of weird like game shows with like weird humor and like people in costumes that like are running around screaming dressed as clowns. And they also have like soap, you know, like the soap operas. And it's like, you know, there's not, it just kind of is like ends up being noise and nothing really comes of anything and by the end of it like you're still kind of where you were at the beginning um it just resets itself yeah and i feel like that describes nonsense yeah and it's like very silly and it's bright and it's vivacious and there's like music and colors and i feel like that kind of describes part of my personality just like this kind of chaos wildness a little bit um and like it's a couple of times watching those that channel, Univision, uh, the Spanish channel. Yeah. And um, yeah, between the soap operas that she really got into, like she would discuss some of the characters that they were real people in our neighborhood or her neighbors. Oh, and I'd be like, what? That happened to who? And then also, like you say, <laughs> she would watch variety shows with yeah. the with a host wearing like ridiculous costumes and they have the big, ridiculous big, skits tall hair and, and yeah the big gelled moose hair and just like a real personality in himself the host yeah, yeah. and he'd be like it wouldn't be like an ed sullivan or oh, no. i'm dating myself i'm i'm uh retired with two kids so this is my i'm uh end of the baby boomer generation so okay i'm dating myself with talk shows like more serious like ed sullivan Host that just came on in a suit and tie, maybe had a slight comment about the act that we were going to show, but nothing ridiculous like you're describing with characters and the host wearing clown outfits or dresses a lion. Yeah, introducing a little bit outlandish. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> quite, quite it's- hokey. So I feel like. I'd be one of maybe I have both channels or something. They would not be on the same network because that's too disturbing. Would they would they be running in parallel? And so when you flip, you know, the remote yeah. that goes yeah. back when and you forth, can't, you yeah, know, like yeah, you very, you know, like nice actually, soothing documentary, and then squawk, squawk, squawk. And no, that's like yeah, yeah. The documentary could be exploring yeah the struggle of maybe a very forlorn situation in a different sure. country 
movie and you're like this is very dire and then you're like yeah. let's just check what's on the other side and it, yeah it's exactly of like someone dressed as a chicken and running uh, across the stage to flamingo music or yes bongo drums yes exactly and you're like, and you're like um, going on? i'm gonna go back to learning <laughs> about these people trying to get access to drinking water or something yeah, or a um, tribe out in the middle of yeah you know, we're struggling to survive and how they continue to live as they did years ago generations ago yeah something like that so that's kind of mind-blowing but okay that would be yeah that would be my answer but no thanks for thanks for uh, all good answers um but it does this whole opening does have a little bit of a segue and contribution to uh, today's topic um in Sarah um yeah interrogating for yourself I don't know if you have I think something um you have in mind for what kind of channel you would be or uh, how you feel based on how you, you know, you've gotten to know Stefan a little bit. So I'm curious if you feel that our answers make sense with how you've learned, what you've learned about us on this journey of getting into our episodes. But um, yeah, today it was a different flavor, but like I mentioned, you know, Diane is a guest today, um, a friend of the podcast. And um, this, uh, the seed idea for this episode was me wanting to bring in Diane and Stephanie. They're two people uh, who I know who, trying to figure out how to word this correctly. Um, they have a, they have a, their, their preference for how, for what, not necessarily pop culture, but what type of media or TV shows or music or maybe entertainment. History. Entertainment. Yeah. Thank you. Entertainment is a great word. Um, does tend to be kind of centered around the UK. Um, and, you know, there's, they have some overlaps. They do come from different generations, some different backgrounds, um, so some things they overlap in interests, um, but you know they are both based, you know, living in America, um, where there's a full-on, you know, entire entertainment industry there with Hollywood and whatnot, um, which they do both, to my knowledge, you know, have you know some knowledge and interest in, but does seem there does seem to be this preference and inclination towards the UK, and I just thought it'd be an interesting fun topic to just talk with both of you and maybe just you know the basic question of why or you know where what you know what about what about it um just in what terms, about, wait, in terms of our title so title. <laughs> what about it um and and also if you guys disagree with me this is my opinion and what if you could be like i don't know what you're talking about michelle i don't think i have a, i don't have a problem i'm totally <laughs> normal uh wait I you're calling this a problem <laughs> yeah, this is a problem. I could I could stop at any time, um, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of release that out. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna call I'm gonna put up a stance here. So to both of you, um, are you do you have a certain identity? You know, are you Anglophiles or you know when did this start? Do you think you do this? What a question. Do you think you do this? Um, maybe just start with yeah. When do you when when do you think this began, or do you even think that you do this with what I'm describing? Diane, do you want to go first? Oh, sure. <laughs> I used to read voraciously as a child, and some of the books I like to read, uh, some of the genre I like to read was classics, um, but more children's classics that typically were British, written by British authors, just happened to be, um, and so from that I got introduced to some classical British culture, just from those childhood novels. And um, as I grew older, um, although I'm 
an American and proud to be an American. And uh, I um, primarily lived in just a few states, but I have lived overseas for short periods of time, but always prefer being in, living in America. Um, over time, my interest grew with travel and television, and I was always a fan of watching PBS series, you know, first with children's shows, and then the more classic shows, and only, uh, more traditional British shows as I got older and could appreciate a lot of the romance stories. Um, the period I, dramas? or Period dramas, and what I liked most about the period dramas was not just the costuming, the landscape, the actors, um, how close they were to the novels that I had read. It was They didn't take a lot of liberties as Hollywood tends to do to make it more sensationalized or perhaps more interesting. Um, and the actors seemed more classically trained in the theater and not just because they were really attractive or had connections or had gone through the casting couch of Hollywood or whatever. So I just felt it was a little more respectable, more true acting and stories. So that kept my traction even up till now. Okay. But as far as being an Anglophile, I don't think I am because I like a variety of other things. Mm -hmm. um, although for entertainment, mostly uh, television um, and literature and movies, I do prefer British ones, but not necessarily the music. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of yeah. my opinion on that. Yeah. Great. On how I got interested in. Great start. So there. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that. Or uh, Stephanie, is there something that came to mind for you listening to that? Yeah, a bit. I like like you, Dan. I think I, I started early from childhood. Uh, I think um, Harry Potter, as cliche as of it, as it may be from my generation, um, I think that that kind of. Um, pulled the trigger on that even though I'd sort of been sort of um surrounded by some British stuff on and off you know throughout my earlier years um when Harry, the Harry Potter movies were starting uh, started being made I think uh all my classmates were very excited and I couldn't understand the hype um until I think I finally saw the first movie I think like a year or two late after everyone else did um but then I got it um but, but I know it's just a a a, a picture a portrayal of you know of what british like boarding school life is like plus some nice magical elements that kind of put a nice lovely veneer gloss um and i don't know then i just started watching a lot of british media somehow and um i had uh some people who were educated in like the boarding school stuff that i was around so i don't know i think it just it just filtered <laughs> into me and somehow i still haven't let go of uh that uh i don't want to say obsession that's not that's that's a slightly negative word fascination i like that thank you fascination um preoccupied i don't know yeah fascination um with with the british thing i'm not even sure what to to call it because it's not just the media that i'm intrigued with it's like the whole culture you know how people interact the history uh and i hate to hesitate to say anglophile as you mentioned michelle because i feel like anglophile is restricted to just england but i kind of also like like i'm not i don't mind wales or that's my next question so yeah is it better to say like united kingdom versus 
British. Yeah, because like I guess Brit- uh, what United Kingdom is like like because I, I know there's like divisions between like Great Britain and that's mm-hmm. not what uh, like the United Kingdom is. I think that's the most all-encompassing one is. I'm yeah. even for someone who has looked into this as much as I have. I still get confused a little bit. So I think United Kingdom is the most uh, encompassing terms. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. I like I, I watch movies, TV shows, and then. I don't know. Delve into the the culture a lot. And so, um, Diane, Diane, is it also because I mean, I mean, there's you know, a large part of you know United Kingdom's history is you know the imperialism, and so with that comes you know the colonies, you know the United States being one of them, Canada, Australia, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but this tends to be this interest, this fascination, using the word you you use, Diane, uh, tends to be with I guess the main. I don't want. The motherland, you know, versus uh, yeah, I'm more fascinated with the old Great Britain, not so much Scotland or Wales or okay. Ireland. I mean, I like a little bit of that, but I probably because the British accent to me is easier to understand than the smaller countries. So something just about just United the way of, the way of speaking, even Speech, just... yeah, yeah. I think, um, and I hate to use the word elitist, but really that's probably what some people think of it. Um, that's almost like the purest form. You know, they had. The beginning of the English language and uh, the culture, you know, it was more started with the upper class people there. Mm-hmm. And then it trickled down to everybody else, you know, whether you're in the UK or the colonies, you know, everybody else kind of derived their current right. culture from so f- them. So for you, just a quick question. So for you as an American who, yes, has lived overseas, um, I mean, how much do you identify with that, you know, elite high class, formal educated at, on a personal level, or is it more of just this curious fantasy escapism type of? Uh, well, I, I was educated at a state university, which was a, a good one, was fairly prestigious for being a state university. Um, but I felt in the US, I, it's a different feeling than when you live overseas. I lived in Australia, some of the British colonies like Australia, South Africa, a little bit of time in London. Mm-hmm. And the class divisions in those former colonies are unlike America's its own thing all on its own. Whereas I found that other countries that I lived in, they kept retained a lot of the old British traditions. And for example, um, they still drink hot tea. And when I lived in Australia and South Africa, they're very tropical areas, similar to mm-hmm. the Southern US like Florida. So I never understood why the people still drank hot tea when the weather was tropical versus yeah. iced tea. Like well, I, we think, do in the, I feel like, like I've, I've learned from my friends who live like in the Middle East who are like Persian, mm-hmm. you know, they've, de- they've developed to eat like hot, hot temperature foods. It has a cooling yeah, effect because it sweats of the sweat. Has like iced tea uh, that I'm aware of, or like ice drinks in general. Because whenever I've traveled abroad, and you ask for like ice or cold water, everyone just looks at you kind of weirdly. Yes, because uh, I guess or ice they, is not if you're a lucky. They'll usual give you like three miniature ice cubes yeah. and call yeah. it good, and they'll just kind of look at you like, "Is this good enough?" And you're like, "I need a whole cup of ice." Yeah, and I exactly. remember when I first lived in Australia in the early '90s. You know, they don't drink iced tea and I'm an iced tea addict still. Mm. And so I would just, I realized I just needed to ask for a large glass of ice and then a separate little pot of their hot tea. And I would just pour it over the ice. And I remember being in a restaurant 
and people, other diners were staring at me like, what is that woman doing? She's like <laughs> ruining a perfectly good pot, little pot of tea. tea. I, have a fun so fact. I have a fun fact about iced tea. I think I read somewhere that in like colonial <laughs> times, iced tea was the ultimate form of like having crazy amounts of money because uh, it would, you know, you'd, you'd need to have some way to freeze the ice right pre-refrigeration mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or electric refrigeration right. um you know the tea would have to come imported you know via right. dutch east indies uh, company or or the the british mm-hmm. whatever i forgot what i called it was called um or mm-hmm. no sorry yeah okay one of those Br- british or dutch tea companies trade companies um and then uh then if you had a lemon you'd have to import that in too from you know presumably a tropical location um right. whether it's you know like like you said southern florida or you know like some of the the east indies the islands. yeah so uh you, you really need to um have a lot of wealth to flex you know <laughs> having that that kind of treat mm-hmm. um, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that but that's a good uh yeah a good less history lesson i hadn't really given it that Symbolism. much thought yeah yeah so it that's seems, yeah, so no, that's cool, Stephanie. So I mean, so kind of going from your answer, Diane, it kind of seems that, yeah, even like, yeah, with your travels, you know, in your personal life, mm-hmm. um, you've definitely kind of, you've not really assimilated much of this kind of UK British identity. You've kind of been, you know, that's not me, you know, why is American traditions or mindsets or approaches or things, um, but maybe in maybe how I speak or maybe my preference for reading material or whatnot. Um, Stephanie, have you um, assimilated any, um, I don't know how to describe any aspects of the British or UK culture in your writing or any parts of your identity, Stephanie? Uh, I think assimilated is putting it lightly. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I have a very American exterior from like, you know, my pattern of speech, but like my brain like the inside voice inside my head was a British accent. Um, specifically, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, Diane, a little bit more of the received pronunciation, <laughs> right? Although if I do watch some shows that are, you know, a little brummy or, or um, yeah, have particularly Scottish accent, you know, particularly strong, like Glaswegian accent, it'll like stick with me. And then I'll think in that like inside voice accent, like the whole week, at least, Oh, it's no. very peculiar because if I try and replicate it out loud, it doesn't come out right. So I'm yeah. not going to do the listener interrobing. I'm not going to do you disservice. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to you. have it come out. Thank you but for in my head, I promise you it's like perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Stephanie, do you, is this on, how much of this is on purpose versus I, it just I, is accidental? I think it's accidental or it's, you know, it's just unconscious. It just, it just happens. Okay. So you're not trying to, to like, let me try no. out this new accent. No, no. Cause I, I, the, I can't imitate any other accent of any other part of the world. It's ridiculous. Like Stephanie, I was going to ask, are you a person that picks up uh, languages and accents easily? Some people, do. I, I don't have that talent, but I can pick are. up languages easily. I think, um, I am currently learning Norwegian on Duolingo at the moment. Um, and oh, it's, it's quite fun, but I'm not sure I've nailed the accent down because I haven't heard Norwegian people speak very much in Norwegian. Um, I really learned it so I could learn knitting patterns <laughs> in Norwegian. <laughs> um, but it's, I've learned some verbs too, so it's helpful. Um, 
but no, I, and I, I, I do enjoy learning languages and like linguistics and then seeing how uh, like the romantic languages, you know, um, from mm-hmm. descended from Rome, you know, how Spanish, French, Italian, Portuguese, all those kind of like evolve similarly, but different together. You know, how mm-hmm. the Scandinavians, you know, started out with similar roots. But then, you know, Swedish yeah. is slightly different from Norwegian, is slightly different from Danish and, you know, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Um, but maybe because my mother tongue really is, is English, technically mm-hmm. American English, but um, yeah. I think I've just been imbibed with <laughs> the Britishness around me um, through my upbringing and whatever, uh, that it's just filtered and percolated into my brain and that's the only thing that sticks i mean as your friend for many years now stephanie i can definitely attest i mean sometimes i think it's mainly mainly in like one-on-one casual conversation you do lapse into some kind of accent and it changes i think like you said depending on what you've been watching or listening to um, you also definitely seem to make intentional usage of British terms like you'll say flat instead of apartment yeah I don't know why I became so pedantic about it but I can't stop you say you say <laughs> mum instead like with a for mother instead of yeah. mom yeah um there's a few things that you do use and I, I uh, can't pinpoint why I, I don't know and it, and, and you, yeah and you definitely like in, <laughs> intend to say these things it's not like yeah, yeah. and I've but like I can't tell if it bothers British you if I return it with keyboard. If I return with apartment, I'm like, oh, I like your apartment. I don't know if does that bother you. If I tell you that, you gotta like have a little tick of like, oh, she should say it registers. But then I don't, I don't impose the same uh, standards, okay, uh, like uh, on other people because I'm like they they do their own thing. But for me, this is what I'm gonna put out to okay. other people. Okay, um, but I don't know if that's a conscious thing to say. Mom is it a mom? I feel. Why did you like, say so- it like that? <laughs> No, because every, I don't know why, maybe because I've watched too many interviews of Tom Felton and Emma Watson saying Olive Garden, that I can't think of Olive Garden as like oh, the, oh, Olive the British, Garden anymore. It's kind of British like the British attempt American. affectation of, of an American, specifically California, I think, you it's know, the Hollywood Valley California, Cal- you know, Olive Garden, ma'am. Or, or they, they, they try and do the Southern accent, you know, a little bit because somehow um, it, it, it goes better. It transitions easier from like the, the RP accent to, to the um, Southern drawl. But yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I can't. Wait, say mom again? Mom. So I can, I can say normally. <laughs> That's better. Mom, the first time know. was a little rough. And then That's mom. <laughs> and then yeah, i'm um, preaching your mouth but, like you're about to eat the microphone yeah, <laughs> like a shark it's, it's definitely a little <laughs> bit of an overreach um but mom's just just it just rolls off the tongue i mean it's just it's a, it's a softer intonation you know mommy is just endearing mommy is not like uh, it's a little bit uh, mommy is like <laughs> do you call your yeah also the pharaoh too like, um, do you call your your mother do you call your mom address her as mummy yeah mummy <laughs> yeah mummy okay i and don't I know i don't know I how think... it would work if i called up my mother and said hello mummy do you say i think uh, it'd probably be like what that there's like a distinction between um you know, th- you know, the many different classes, you know, within the British society, right? There's like mm-hmm. uh, working class, right? And then middle class mm-hmm. and then like the upper class, but even that they are not 
as high as like posh maybe upper class is equal to posh um and then there's the royal family who has their own dialect their own. Um, so i think the the middle class upper they they say um mummy and then you know like the lower working class they, they do just say mum. you yeah. know so so you'll notice in like i don't know different programs that different people called and um i think another one's like napkin versus serviette um, I think the yeah. the working class people say Soviet in order to try to be a little more sound here, but yeah. really the the uh, higher class people they just say napkin, <laughs> which I thought I think, think it'd go the other way, but no. When I lived overseas, I tried to pick up some of the local terminology, like you were just saying, Stephanie, about mm-hmm. Soviet and flat and a few things just to what make do you call it? Where, where, do, where do you go to the bathroom? Oh, they call it the loo. I say, I say the bathroom. I thought it was the WC. Who does w, who walks? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's WC. Closet. There's toilet. They just yeah. sometimes toilet just straight up toilet. Dirty, kind of too crude to me. But when but think about it, when you say it in the British accent, where's the toilet? It no. it doesn't yeah, sound it so bad. Like toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Usually when I'm overseas, people say where are you from. They figured it's American somewhere, and I always say Texas, and they're like light up, like oh, because they. You know, they I've watched old shows. Uh, there used to be a show called Dallas that was very popular overseas and from the 80s. And so um, because of my pride of being a Texan and then an American, I never really lose Texan myself. Texan first, right? <laughs> yeah, Texans first, right? Never really lose myself in another culture, even though I tried to adapt some of the local words to make conversation a little easier. But in the end, I'm like, no. So for example, uh, my son was in preschool, Montessori preschool in Durban, South Africa, when we lived there for a few years. And um, they would teach him the British version of like you're saying, Stephanie, like the mum and the spelling like favorite would be O-U instead of just O. Because we were only there on a short term, company assignment for my husband so we had to go back to the U.S. you know in several years and he had to start proper regular school and I'm like he's going to be so confused these are his early learning years and he's going to be so confused when he gets back to the American system that you know I don't want him learning the British way to talk and spell and address people and have to be confused mostly the spelling more than anything else um, let, so let me I, make this very clear. I, I can't spell normal American, like just the O instead of the O-U. Um, uh-huh. But I, somehow it's it's been a strong unconscious choice. But I have to like correct myself. I'm like, no, I must spell it with the O this time for yeah, work purposes so I'm, they don't think I'm a strange person. Probably <laughs> because I'm so much older than you that I'm sure. more ingrained in the American and Texas Perhaps. culture. Um and so by the time I was worldwide traveling, I was in my uh, late 20s um, and I already been through, you know, education here, universities and I already started working in my career profession. So I was fairly established and not young enough to be uh, influenced as much as, say, a younger person might be. Sure. But yeah. Kind of set in my point. ways. That's yeah. kind of my personality anyway. I'm kind of conservative and set in my ways, even as a young child. All right, so again, this is Editor Michelle. So that'll be uh, con- the conclusion of episode 18, part one. Um, if you're interested, 
and hearing the rest of the discussion that we have, uh, I, I warmly invite you to listen to part two of, of the episode where we uh, discuss more of this topic and also share the music playlist uh, for this episode. Take care. <laughs>